Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and iHeartRadio. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find out about the programming we have available for you 24 7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour is Michael Mays, and Michael has been investigating sightings of both out of place known animals and those that may or may not exist. He has appeared on numerous uh, podcasts and radio programs and on the low files on the A&E Network. Michael is the owner and writer of the Texas Cryptid Hunter blog, serves on the board of directors of the North American Wood Ape Conservancy, and is the author of Patty, a Sasquatch story, and it's an illustrated children's book, and the nonfiction title Shadow Cats, The Black Panthers of North America. His blogspot website is texascryptidhunter.blogspot.com. And uh, Michael, welcome to the X-Zone. Well, thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Hey, Michael, how did you uh, get involved in you know, being a cryptid hunter? Well, uh, it probably goes back to childhood like it does for uh, most people in yeah. my age range. I'm, I'm in my early 50s, and uh, it's kind of a golden age for that sort of thing, um, Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, the Yeti, and over in the Himalayas, mm-hmm. and all that stuff was very popular at the time. And uh, everything from TV shows like The Six Million Dollar Man, uh, which was big when I was a kid, when they had the big Bigfoot episode on, it just really grabbed my imagination. Sure. Uh, most people grew out of it, I guess. I never did. Well, I, I remember that episode very well uh, with the Six Million Dollar Men, and and then you had Harry and the Hendersons. That was my favorite. Yep. Uh, yeah. and, and you know, you were right. Back then, this was the the launch uh, the launch pad of a lot of the paranormal intrigue and mysteries that you and I and many others around the world investigate today. Question: Have you ever seen a Bigfoot? I believe I have. Yes. Can you can you share the experience with us? Sure. Uh, it was uh, in May of 2005, mm-hmm. so it's been a while. I was in the Sam Houston National Forest in southeast Texas. Um, and uh, we were, a friend and I were, were both out. We were expressly hoping for something like that to happen. We had uh, read some reports online and we thought, well, shoot, that's, that's not too far away. And uh, I love the outdoors, but I'm I don't know if I'm 
simple-minded or not, but I need to be doing something. Camping for the sake of camping never appealed to me that much, so I wanted to have a uh, purpose. Some a purpose yeah. exactly. So going to camp while we look for something else, you know, that was that was great. That was exciting. So um, so we thought, well, you know, we've reading these reports online from this area and um, let's go have a look-see ourselves. Now, we had gone several times uh, and we decided one night that the thing to do was going to be a big moon. I right. don't recall if it was full, but it was close if it wasn't and it was going to be a, uh, a clear, bright night. So we thought, we'll, we'll turn in about sundown, sleep for a few hours and and get up and drive the forest service roads and such, and, you know, just see what we can see. And, um, we got up about, about 2 AM, got up, got in the, the vehicle and started to do just that. And, uh, we had been driving about an hour. It was about, if I recall about three ten, three fifteen AM. And we came over a little, um, rise in the road and my friend who was driving, uh, he hit the brakes and, and I, <laughs> I had wasted a hundred dollars of my hard earned money on a generation one monocular I'd bought at sporting goods store. And it was, I was determined to get some use out of it. It was just terrible, but I was looking out the, the side, uh, window and he brought the car to a stop and I turned to look at him to see, you know, what was going on. And he's, he just pointed straight ahead. He said, what is that? What is that? And I turned to look, and there in the road about, I would estimate about 35, maybe 40 yards at the most. And I'm a football coach, so I'm pretty good with my yardage. Right. Um, um, there was a large, upright figure standing in the road. Um, it was about a third of the way. If, if you imagine it was crossing the road from left to right, it was about a third of the way across the road. And standing kind of at a three-quarters angle where it's um, uh, kind of, uh, it's hard to explain, but it was not completely in profile, but neither was it completely facing us either. It was at an angle. And as we watched, um, it took a step with its right foot, kind of a side step, and then it crossed over with its left foot foot took one more step across a bar ditch and was gone into the woods and uh it was clearly bipedal uh upright um was a deep reddish brown color um color of a uh, long dead pine straw or pine needles and um it just walked away into the woods so it was a few seconds but um we pulled up to the spot to try to see it again. And we drove the road the rest of the night in that area, the rest of the night. And, uh, we never saw it again. Um, we looked, we kind of gave up on trying to see it again and instead focused on, okay, is there a truck parked somewhere? Is, right. there, uh, is there any vehicles? Is there anybody else around? And, uh, we drove from the, that point till six thirty in the morning before Ooh. we saw another vehicle of any kind. So there was nobody out there. And, um, I just can't imagine anybody, uh, out there in that particular location trying to pull a fast one on somebody because no one was out there. No, you know, a hoaxer sure. in my mind would want to be somewhere that was trafficked a little more heavily than this road was. And, uh, um, you know, it's it's kind of unexciting in the sense of uh, what happened. It, it's it's very exciting when you think about what we feel it probably was. But it was just an animal in, in the road, and it just kind of casually walked away from us. But walked is the right term. What does it feel like to be in this very exclusive club that you and your friend are in now, having had the one in a billion opportunity of seeing Bigfoot? Well, it, it, it's, it's very cool in one way, as mm -hmm. you might imagine. Um, there's a, a part of you that kind of feels like, okay, I know something a lot of people don't know. Right. Um, and, and that is kind of exciting and that is kind of, uh, uh, kind of a cool thing. Uh, but on the other hand, it, it's kind of one of these things that, okay, you know this, but you don't really talk about it. It's kind of a, a subject that, you know, you don't 
bring up around most friends or family simply because um, with this particular topic, unless they're seeing it, they've seen it themselves, that there's just this great skepticism uh, bordering on just complete denial um, that something like that could even possibly exist. And, uh, uh, you know, the Look, we're, we're all basically just like we were in middle school. Nobody likes to be teased or picked on. And, uh, uh, you know, you're going to be talked about uh, and you're going to be harassed and teased a little bit if you if you claim a sighting of one of these things. And even with people who, you know, who are your friends mm-hmm. or your family, um, who in their mind is just good natured ribbing, it, it, it wears on you after a while. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword for sure. So if, if you, have you told anybody this story? Have you been able to get it out there? Oh yeah, it's out there. I've discussed it. Uh, it's, it's, you know, that's part of why I, I started the blog. Right. And then of course I'm uh, a member of the North American Wood Ape Conservancy now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, it's it's not something I talk about a whole lot with um, just in day to day, you know, at work, right. you know, family and so forth. But it's kind of the worst kept secret in America, honestly. And uh, um, so people know, and um, it's like a lot of things. It's a lot more comfortable to come on a radio show with a complete stranger and talk about it than it might be to talk to your sister or your brother over the Thanksgiving holiday about it. You know, it's um, um, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I have discussed it, um, and you know, hopefully, you know, my experience might encourage somebody else to to share theirs because you never know what sighting, what incident might That's lead right. to that discovery. Michael, we get the proof that we're looking for. Michael, stand by. Thank you very much for joining us, Exxon Nation. Michael Mays is our very special guest, and uh, Michael and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. As we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV. Plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand worldwide and more does this sound like tomorrow's television well it is but you can have it today right now it is simul tv simul tv offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like x-zone sci-fi and horror we are worldwide no other provider offers that 500 built-in video games no need to have an extra expensive system we have them included free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. 
there is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the esoteric series, modern esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Explanation. Michael Mays is back with us this hour, and uh, his website is texascryptidhunter.blogspot.com. Tell me about the Black Panthers, and I don't mean the the group, the Black Panthers. I mean <laughs> the animals, or or the movie. I assume. yeah, or the movie. That's right. Yeah, that was a very fortuitous piece of uh, timing that was mm-hmm. completely unintentional. But uh, um, okay, the Black Panthers. Um, well. I grew up in East Texas where it's heavily wooded, you know, mm-hmm. Piney Woods region of Texas. And um, from the time I was little, any kind of strange, odd noise out in the woods was always, you know, was always blamed on a panther screaming. Uh, you know, they sound like a woman being murdered. They sound uh, like someone's just terrified out there. Or something terrible's happening to someone. Um, now, as I've grown up, I've realized there are several animals that can, you know, sound like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, a fox, even a squealing rabbit. But uh, that was the the background that I grew up with. And these animals were just, they weren't considered common, but they really weren't considered that unusual either. And everybody out there knew the difference between a mountain lion and a, you know, when they said mountain lion or a cougar, they're talking about the tawny colored cat but whenever someone said panther it just was understood they were talking about a black cat of some kind and uh i grew up that was just reality for me and with most people in east texas and uh i was well into adulthood before i i came to realize that science did not recognize the existence of any such animal uh the black panthers you see on tv and movies and such those are almost exclusively melanistic uh, leopards or jaguars. And there is no such thing as a black panther. Um, They're just black specimens of those two known species. Now, there are other cats that can be uh, melanistic, can be black, but uh, of all of them, only the jaguar uh, fits the criteria, fits the description that most people give and is a new world cat. Leopards, of course, are Asiatic and African cats. So uh, when I realized, hey, you know, these things aren't supposed to be real, you know, I started to look into it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And the blog, uh, I did a piece on the Black Panthers uh, of East Texas or or some, I don't remember the exact title. It's been quite a while back. And I really expected on that blog, we'd be talking about all, you know, Bigfoot more than anything, uh, the, the usual cryptid suspects. But the my email just blew up with people who were claiming these Black Panther uh, encounters. And uh, every time I would do a post or, you know, post a mm-hmm. sighting report that someone gave me, uh, it just started the whole process to, over the, the emails would just come flooding in. And it was at that time I decided to start charting them. Yeah. And uh, see if I could discern some sort of pattern to the whole um, the whole phenomenon. And uh, after a few years, I realized, I, you know, I've got quite a bit of data here. I should try to maybe compile this in, in, into a book or something. Now, I, I did not know if anybody would want it. Uh, but my idea was, well, if no one wants it, then I'll use it. Maybe I can use it as a thesis or something and go get a master's degree in wildlife biology or something like that. But fortunately, someone did want it, and that's what led to the book. How, how uh, 
How long has the Black Panther been historically established in Texas? Well, uh, it, it depends somewhat, you know, you, you play this semantic game. Um, uh, you know, the term Black Panther wasn't necessarily used. There are newspaper accounts from the mid-1800s, uh, mm-hmm. at least, uh, where they talk about panthers and and Mexican lions and wildcats and this and that. Um, so you got to be a little careful. You got to kind of have things in context. But uh, um, Mexican lion was a term that was used for jaguar. That was uh, uh, pretty common. Or sometimes you heard Mexican tiger. And those were terms that were used by the uh, early settlers. But what? But wouldn't uh, a jaguar in uh, Mexico be rather common since they're? Well, they they used yeah. to be. Yeah. Now, and, and jaguars once you know roamed most of North America. Yep. There are some sources I came across when I was researching the book that said the jaguar was probably the dominant predator in the last ice age, and they found fossils from the Pacific Northwest all the way to to Pennsylvania. Um, the trick is the melanism, the coloring, uh, and, uh, and, but there are accounts, like I said, early settlers going back into the mid 1800s, at least of, of these large black long tailed cats that mm-hmm. fit the description of what we call a black Panther. Now, when was the last time one of these black Panthers was actually observed and where was it? Oh, uh, I get reports from people weekly, mm-hmm. um, so I would have to check the inbox to see what the most recent uh, sighting was. But uh, now I'm I'm concentrating mainly on the state of Texas. I do have people from across the country who who will email me their their experiences. Right. But uh, I think the most recent one came from um, Northeast Texas, up in the uh, Atlanta, uh, Texarkana area. Mm-hmm which is a pretty heavily forested, uh, wooded area up in that part of the, uh, the state and up close to the red river. And I believe that's the most recent, but, uh, I get them, like I said, weekly. Um, and it's just, you know, it's what led me to believe there was a biological basis behind the sightings. Has what kind of what kind of evidence is there? Is there any physical evidence uh, that has been recovered of the Black Panther? Well, you know, yes and no. Uh, there have been obviously tracks left mm-hmm. behind, large tracks that pretty much everybody agrees are are big cats that have left this track. Of course, the problem there is you can't tell from a track what color the animal was that left it. Right. Um, there are quite a few photos, uh-huh. uh, many of which are in the book, um, that uh, uh, I've included um, in color. Uh, uh, and they definitely show you know, a, a, a felid of some sort, some sort of cat, long-tailed, black in color, glossy black. Um, they vary in size, which uh, um, has led some to be dismissive of the phenomenon I, on the other hand, I think that's an important clue as to what might, you know, what might be behind the sightings. But so we've got some photographs. We, we, we do have tracks. Um, now, the most tantalizing piece of evidence I personally have are some hairs that were uh, sent to me. It was a reader of the blog who claims he struck a large black cat in uh, central Texas one night um, on a farm to market road here in Texas and uh, hit it pretty, pretty solidly. He, he says it got up and it, it kind of wandered off the road and, and into a wooded area. And he had no desire to follow a, an injured animal, uh, especially a cat that size, but he was adamant. It was not a coyote. Hmm. It was not a, a feral hog. It was not a dog of any kind. It was clearly a cat. Um, and he had the presence of mind to pluck now, not until he got home, but he, he, he found hairs on his bumper and he plucked those off and put them in a baggie and sent those to me. So I have those in my possession now. And, uh, I have a friend who did, uh, some, uh, analysis on the hairs via microscope, uh, just looking at morphology, just, 
there's a hair atlas out there, mammals of North America, mm-hmm. and comparing them to, okay, what might this guy have hit? You know, and, and sure. again, coyote, cougar, a mountain, um, a feral hog, uh, common dog, whatever. And it didn't match anything um, that you would think would be the, you know, the, the usual suspects. Um, he extended his his research a little bit his, and uh, said they looked the closest match, just eyeballing them under the microscope, were to a leopard. And um, uh, so that's where it stood. And I, I had him do this and he, he wrote up his findings. And at that point, I wanted to send them to a university, uh, you know, somebody's biology department, wildlife department, and uh, get them analyzed again. And again, all I was asking was somebody to look at it under a microscope. I realized that DNA testing takes time, takes money, and I wouldn't ask anyone to, to take that on. But uh, until, not not at their expense, mm-hmm. I would want to find out if I'm wasting my time first. And I sent contacts out to every university in, in Texas, and not one of them was willing to even look at them under a microscope. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so uh, they sit at this moment in a nightstand drawer next to my bed. I'm hopeful. I recently uh, uh, received some information uh, from a gentleman in in Arkansas that uh, he thought he knew somebody that might be willing to look at him. So I'm Mm -hmm. preparing to explore that possibility, and I'm hopeful about that. All right, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our break for the news at the bottom of the hour. And Exxon Nation, Michael Mays is our very special guest. And his website is, it's actually a blog website, texascryptidhunter.blogspot.com. And we'll both be back as we continue investigating cryptids, black panthers, sasquatch, and much more this hour here with my special guest, Michael Mays. As the Exxon continues from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365.
Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back, and if you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, here in the X-Zone as we investigate all aspects of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology and everything in between. Monday through Friday, 8, I'm sorry, 10 p.m. until 2 a.m. on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and iHeartRadio. My guest this hour, Michael Mays, is, the, uh, is a Texas cryptid Let's try this again. Texas Cryptid Hunter, his uh, blogspot is texascryptidhunter.blogspot.com. Um, the, are, are the big cats that you're seeing in Texas and other people are seeing in other parts of, of uh, the United States, in fact, here in southern Ontario, there have been many reports of big cats seen. Uh, are, are these just like Bigfoot, have been around for a long time, and we just get to the glimpse of them once in a while? The stories have been around a long time. Now, the problem, uh, going back too far, you get into the, the Native American lore a little mm-hmm. bit, and with very few exceptions, nothing was written down. Uh, you know, those were all oral traditions. And, um, and so it's hard to pinpoint exactly how far back they go. But, yeah, they've been around. That, that mythology has been part of, uh, well, since going back at least to the uh, documented European explorers uh, who noted stories from the Native Americans, at least going back into the 1700s and, and no doubt, you know, farther than that. Um, but up in your part of the world uh, – there's actually a nice uh, little part of the book where um, there was a what was described as a black jaguar that was photographed in uh, Guelph. Now, is yeah. that a a does that sound familiar to you, Guelph, yeah. Ontario? Guelph, Guelph is only 20 minutes from Hamilton. Okay, well, and uh, a gentleman named Rick Rosat who was um, um, doing a study wanted to. This was a few years back, mm-hmm. but this was a not a fly-by-night study. This was a, a many-year uh, effort to, to try to find out if there were still wild mountain lions, cougars mm-hmm. in Ontario. And they set out game cameras, and they had wildlife biologists out and about. And uh, um, they uh, actually, let's see here, they had 470 sightings that were recorded, um, many by highly qualified observers like wildlife biologists. Right. Uh, um, but there were noted among those 470 were 52 what he, uh, Dr. Rosat called credible sightings of black cougars in Ontario between 1991 and 2010. Um, in addition to that, there's one very clear photograph of what was described in the study itself as a black jaguar, Panthera onca, uh, and it was the sightings were, um, I, I'm not going to say dismissed, but they were not included. In the, they were mentioned about to that extent. The photograph was included. It's in the book, by the mm-hmm. way. And uh, But they were just um, considered to be either escaped pets or cases of mistaken identity, despite the highly qualified people who, who saw them, because there's no such thing as a black panther. So, um, 
you know, the, the purpose of the study was to find out if there were cougars in Ontario. So from that standpoint, they stayed focused, they did their job, they, and it was a very successful study. I just, um, I think that maybe an opportunity might have been lost to maybe discover something, uh, something else while they were out there. And, um, uh, but that's, that's discussed in the book. So, I mean, I'm focused mainly in Texas and sure. in the South, but we, we've got, uh, accounts in the book that go coast to coast and, you know, California to North Carolina up and to your mm-hmm. part of the world there in Ontario. So, um, and that, that's, uh, much further North than most would suspect, um, a Jaguar for sure would be, um, so that's um, that's not even really recognized so much as historical range for a jaguar. So so that was I found that story very interesting. What is going to be the significance when one day there's going to be a live capture of one of these jaguars? How is that going to change recognized history as well as recognized um, animal behavior and uh, animal trackings? I don't know if it will change, um, you know, history so much, like I mentioned, depending on what it is, right. uh, you know, if it turns out to be melanistic jaguars, which, uh, the thing about melanism, it's a genetic, uh, trait. It, it's the result of, a um, of a mutation, genetic mutation. And the trait of melanism of being black is, think of the opposite of albinism where everything's white, there's no pigment at all. Melanism is just the opposite. Everything is black. Uh, that trait is dominant. So if you had a small population in Jaguars, it is. So if you had a, a small population, a remnant population of these cats, be they off in California, up North where you are, further East in Texas, wherever, but they were cut off from the larger population down in Mexico, Central America, if there were a couple of, of black individuals who passed on those genetic traits for melanism, since it is a dominant trait, uh, you go back to your ninth grade biology class with the, the Punnett squares and, and you figure it out, you'll, you'll see it's not going to be long before the bulk of these animals are black. And uh, there's a lot of speculation that that might be what's happened. Um if it's a jaguar, it, it, you know they're finding them in Arizona now, mm-hmm. New Mexico. They, uh, the story of Macho B, which is a regular colored marked jaguar who was uh, photographed and ended up being killed up in uh, Arizona, and several other individuals have been caught on game cameras. They're they're making their way back to their historical range. Uh, my point here in Texas, if it can happen. If they can cross from Mexico into Arizona, from Mexico into New Mexico, that what's stopping them from doing the same in Texas? Um, so that would be more of, of a case of uh, a cat making a comeback, so to speak. Maybe it, you know, maybe I'm optimistic, but maybe it, it speaks well that maybe they're bouncing back a little bit. Maybe the habitat is better than it was for a while, um, and and they're. Uh, they're able to survive now in their historical ranges. Um, if it turns out to be something else, um, and we talk about various suspects in the book um, that might explain the phenomenon, uh, cougars are not supposed to be black. There's never been a documented case of melanism mm-hmm. in a mountain lion. And you would think with as many as we've had in captivity and as common as, as they once were, that we would have seen that at some point. If somehow that turned out to be the case, now that would be revolutionary. That, that would change the, the biology books. That would be a big, big deal. Um, there's a smaller wildcat here in the South um, uh, called a jaguarundi, which most people are not even aware exists. It doesn't reach the sizes of a, of a mountain lion or a jaguar, but uh, it's it's kind of long bodied, kind of an odd looking cat. It's almost uh, otter like in mm. its appearance, but it's very elongated, real long tail. Right. Easily could give the impression of being bigger th- than it really is. And most people are not even aware they exist. So when they would see that, they would see what's, you know, clearly a cat, but it's not a, you know, that's not a 
domestic cat. That's that's something different. So that and they can be black, and uh, so a lot of people would jump to that panther word uh, conclusion. And their range is supposed to be extremely limited. They're supposed to be extremely endangered. And uh, if it turned out that there were uh, these were the basis for at least some of the sightings, that would be a pretty mm-hmm. big deal. Because, again, you're talking about something that's living right under our nose that's much more widespread than we thought. Have there been any uh, attempts to do a live capture of the Black Panthers? Not that I'm aware of. You know, that's honestly, you know, the and, and I sound harsh when I say this, but to the wildlife authorities, um, and I don't mean to be overly harsh because sure. – uh, we've become very urbanized, and people don't know their wildlife anymore. I get uh, emails weekly. I've got a picture of a, of a cougar, a mountain lion, a, a, a panther, and almost without exception, I'll open it up, and it's a bobcat. Um, people just aren't familiar anymore. We're, we, we've moved wow. out of the country and onto the concrete, and and they're not intentionally trying to deceive anyone or anything like that. They're just They just don't know their animals. Um, so I understand that these guys probably deal with a whole lot of false alarms, but, um, as far as they're concerned, trying to live capture, you might as well be setting a unicorn trap. Uh, you know, they don't exist. So we're not going to invest time, money, resources to attempt anything like that. But how come there are those who will invest time, money, and resources into Bigfoot? Well, that would not be your Texas Department of uh, Parks and Wildlife. Yeah, I, I, I understand uh, that. I understand that. But you mean there is no so private it group? Be, it would have to be a private yeah. citizen you know, or a private group. Now, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, no one has has done that. Okay. Uh, that, that, that you know, and the, the topic itself, it, it, it's, it's gotten some attention. Uh, but to my knowledge, and I could be wrong, but to my knowledge, there hasn't been a book-length uh, – study of the phenomenon there have been you know a chapter in a book about cryptids in general or a few pages here or there uh where they're mentioned um but uh it's been as far as the the cryptid world Mm -hmm. goes it's been somewhat under the radar for most people you know the bigfoots and uh, michael stand by buddy we've got to take our final break exo nation michael mays is our guest and we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. 
Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings, slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. All right, everyone. My guest this hour, Michael Mays. His blog is texascryptidhunter.blogspot.com. And uh, Michael, first of all, thanks very much for coming on the show. Great talking to you and uh, learning so much about uh, Black Panthers. You know, we, well, we were talking. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. You know, the information has to get out there. And if you're not part of the solution by suppressing it, you're part of the problem. We don't want that. We want it. We want people out there to keep their eyes open. But if they are going to try and photograph a Black Panther or go into an area where Black Panther is believed to be, what are the do's and the don'ts that they should adhere to? Oh, well, um, well, first of all, you, you better be ready with, with, a, with a camera. Uh, you know, it, it's the same old argument that... Uh, you know, people who argue against the existence of a Sasquatch or a Nessie or something like that. Well, why aren't there more photographs? Everyone's got a phone. Everybody's got a camera on their phone. Um, you know, do, do test yourself, okay? Even hold your phone in your hand. Very few people walk around with the camera open, you know, the, with the app ready to go. Take it out, hit the button, pick it up, try to fo- get it focused. And, and how long does it take you? And the nature of these sightings with these cats are so fleeting that it, it's it's a rare thing indeed for someone to be able to to get a phone, be it, it even if it's already in their hand, and have that ready. So what I'd recommend is actually having a, a camera handy, an old-fashioned regular camera where you can just pick it up and and you're ready to go. Um, I would guess, you know, pay you know I. You got to be careful with baiting and things like that. You, you know, you're going to attract all kinds of unwanted varmints probably if you do that. But um, if you want to have a chance, um, I would approach it like any other hunt. Um, it's going to take time. It's going to take patience, and you got to go where the sightings have been. And what I have found as I've charted, uh, we're up around 150, the book, I'm now over that since the book's come out, we've added to that well over 150 sightings, uh, predominantly here in Texas anyway, they're in the eastern half of the state, uh, which corresponds to um, more rainfall, uh, more water resources, more more uh, wooded areas. Uh, it's exactly what you would expect from a living, breathing species of animal. Uh, so you want to, you know, uh, zero in on, on where the sightings have been, the counties uh, in the book. I've, I've got a list of the counties in Texas with how many sightings and where and all that kind of stuff. And um, you got to get out and look. And, and you know, it's not going to happen from your couch. You know, that's that's the thing. And uh, um, we like to read about and watch the adventures of others sometimes on TV, but going out and, and doing it yourself is it, not many people are doing that these days, but, um, uh, just be aware, listen, look for a sign. Uh, if you're on a camping trip or you're on a, you know, you're getting your, uh, lease or your deer stand ready for, for deer season next year, pay attention, look around, you know, um, and, and have a camera ready. Um, uh, that would be my advice. But, uh, again, you could maybe improve your odds a little by looking to see where the sightings have actually taken place and, 
plop yourself down right in the middle of them. Has there been any recorded attack on any any member of, so, of the human society by one of these cats? Not any that I would call credible. Um, there was one a few years back where a man in Alabama claimed he was uh, attacked. Um, now, there's one... Um, there are a couple of uh, old newspaper accounts that uh, I've referenced in the mm-hmm. book where in the uh, late 1800s, uh, right at the turn of the century, where there were a couple of bloggers uh, in East Texas who claimed that they were uh, attacked by two panthers simultaneously. And they stood back to back trying to beat them off with sticks for the better part of half an hour. Um, and they got torn up pretty good, but managed to get out. Uh, there's a story, uh, in the book, uh, that was related from a newspaper and, um, I believe it was in, out of Louisiana, if I'm remembering correctly, about a mule skinner who, uh, left on a wagon, uh, the horses came back without him and people went to look for him and they found a big black panther standing over him, had killed him and was, wasn't, was feeding on him. Uh, again, that's a historic account, uh. And there are a couple of um, – uh, there's another account from the Big Thicket region of Texas where a, a woman was attacked and killed. Um, but again, these are historical in nature. Uh, I have not heard of anything that I would consider credible for years and years. If – or let me rephrase that. When someday a Black Panther is live-captured – Will this add to the credibility of the existence of Bigfoot? Well, I, I think um, I think it could. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there there are definitely some similarities in the two phenomenon in that uh, um, you know neither is supposed to exist. Now, people who are determined not to believe aren't going to until you bring a body in. Uh, that's just the way it is. Um, and people who are going to believe, you know, they're going to believe no matter what. So those people in between were, you know, the true open-minded skeptic that right. we're, we're trying to reach. And um, there are precious few of those people. Most are either just faithful believers or uh, diehard. There's no way. You know, but, you know, I, I must tell you something, Michael. I've been doing this show 28 years now. And I, I've talked to many people about Bigfoot, about the skunk ape, and so on. And I believe it goes with the sound of the credibility of the person that you're interviewing. And you sound very credible. Well, I'm trying to be. That was part of the reason I started the blog in the first place, was uh, there there was a lot of... um, I'm trying to be kind here um, and not sound full of myself at the same time. Uh, There was just a lot of stuff out there that I didn't find credible. Maybe that's the nicest way to put it. And so I wanted to try to add a voice of reason. I'm not a scientist by trade, by profession, but I try to approach things that way. Mm -hmm. And um, I I realized that big-time claims take big-time evidence and that otherwise what you have is an anecdote. And there's hundreds and hundreds of anecdotes for be it Bigfoot or Black Panthers or whatever you want to talk about, that while they don't prove anything in and of themselves, you know, a lot of great discoveries have been made based on anecdotes mm-hmm. by, you know, be, be it native peoples or early settlers, that kind of thing. That's how we found the mountain gorilla, you know, years ago um, and, and so on. So you try to, to maintain that credibility, that's what I've tried to do with with the Shadow Cats book regarding yeah. the Black Panther uh, phenomenon. I've tried to approach it very scientifically, um, and I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, the the Sasquatch Wood Ape Bigfoot phenomenon. I think it's the same deal. I think uh, it's going to depend a lot. But again, you're talking about something that's pretty extraordinary, and it's going to require extraordinary evidence for it, for the powers that be to recognize and document that animal. You know, and my reason for, for stating that uh, and for, for letting my listeners know how, how credible you're coming across is because in, in today's internet age, we have what I call the world's biggest septic tank that man has ever created <laughs> called the internet because there's more crap in it than there is anything else. 
So when somebody is is listening or if somebody wants to to get involved in the research of Bigfoot or Black Panthers, it they mm-hmm. need a base or someone they can go to who just isn't one of these people on the internet who think they're an expert and send people diving in the wrong direction. So thank you for being there. Well, I appreciate that. And my advice would be, you know, beware of anyone that tells you they're an expert mm-hmm. on an animal that is not officially recognized. Uh, I, I don't believe there are any. I, I think if we had true experts, then they would have been documented by now. I think there are people that know more than others, certainly, but uh, um, and, and hold on to your wallet. I'll put it that way. There's some <laughs> folks out there that are, are taking advantage of some folks. Um, so, yeah. um, and I'm trying to be one of those people and that's the groups I'm associated with and, and the way I try to conduct my business. Uh, um, we're trying to, to, to add a voice of credibility to, to add a voice of reason to all of that. And, uh, to, you know, it's, it's really not as out there as, Maybe you've been led to believe by some of this stuff you've read or seen on TV or or heard about. And so that, that's what we're trying to do. And you're doing it, my friend. And I'm very glad that you came on the show tonight. And uh, give a couple of websites that our listeners can go to for more information on you as well as the the organization that you belong to. Okay. Uh, if, if you're interested in the, the Bigfoot or Wood Ape Phenomenon, uh, great resource. Uh, the group I belong to is the North American Wood Ape Conservancy. Um, it is just woodape, W-O-O-D-A-P-E dot com, or it might be org. You know, try them both. It's one of those two. I apologize off the top of my head. And then uh, my personal blog site, the Texas Cryptid Hunter site, is, uh, and it is a blog. It's uh, Texas Cryptid Hunter dot blogspot.com and i expand a little outside that uh strictly the bigfoot thing which of course is you know while we're here talking about the black panthers you know that's how how we got here so um interest is you know a little more varied than just one specific animal michael i hate to do this but we've run out of time for tonight please come back and visit us again and uh, congratulations on all you do keep the great work up Appreciate that. Thank you very much. You take care, Michael. And for more information on Michael Mays, our guest this hour, Exxon Nation, texascryptidhunter.blogspot.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. 
For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.